0: Morning. How's your weekend going? What's good about it? That's good. I give you guys a lot of credit because in the first service they said, it's good because it's almost over. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Good grief. All right, welcome to Portico Church. My name is Jason Conner, lead pastor here And we're going to dive into something today that is going to be tough, but you deserve it. So we've been in a series in Galatians called "Sowing to Grow. We got started last week on that. It's, It's really good, excited about that. We're going to push a hard pause on that just for this Sunday. We'll pick it up next week because we're going to talk about something today that we almost never talk about in the church. There's a good reason for it, abortion. There's a a lot of reasons we don't talk about in the church. One of them is everybody has a very solidified, intense position on abortion, for the most part. Nobody really wants to hear about it. And this is something that divides a country, divides a church, divides generations divisive. That said, if the gospel and God's word can't speak to real life, then I'm not sure what we're doing here. And myself as an elder have committed to preach the entire counsel of God, and that means the hard stuff. Man, we need to, we need to talk about this because this is something that's real. It's something that affects our culture, that affects us. And so we're going to go there today. Uh, and it might be hard, it's a difficult subject. I know there's probably categories of people here. Some people would say, Yeah, I, I know, abortion's wrong. I get it. And it's usually assumed that that's who's in the church. I don't assume that. I think most people would say, It's probably not the best thing to have an abortion but honestly, there's just circumstances where it just needs to happen, and it's not really me to say. It's it's who should have abortion or or who shouldn't. Um, We have a lot of new Christians in our church, quite frankly, because the demographics of our city and of our church. And having the time to critically think about what abortion is, should we or shouldn't have abortions, how does that affect society, life, et cetera, Not only that, how do I as a Christian who has submitted my life to God, how how am I supposed to see that? So you've earned this. You deserve this. We're going to talk about it. And I will tell you that I expect that many people in our church have had an abortion. And I expect that many men here, although it's impossible for you to have an abortion, have been party to it. And we have a culture where Uh, It's assumed that sexuality comes without responsibility. And one of the ways you can do that is through abortion. So this is going to hit everybody, even if you feel like you're on the right side or not. And I'm going to warn you, I'm not going to use any um, shock here, I'm not going to show any videos or anything like that. But we're going to talk about abortion because we need to. And it's so if there's kids here and you're like, um, we love kids in our service because we firmly believe that kids get discipled through the church, in the church. But if you have a kid here and you're like, ah, I think I'd rather talk to my kid about that on my own, let me give you a fair warning. So we'll be looking at various scriptures today. I'm not going to hold to just one because we're, this is just straight up topical. Um, scripture does address it in a way uh, that we don't usually address it. So we're going to look at that t- today. So I'll let you know what scriptures I'm going to look at. All right, let's, let's go to prayer, and let's get on it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, we praise you. It's so life-giving to come in to this church, knowing that we are covered by your blood. and No matter what happened this week, we belong here. We belong to you. We belong to one another. That is a miracle. And so we ask as we open up on a very difficult subject that your grace would, he- it would be here, Lord, that you would help us not just to understand what is true, that you would help us understand that we belong to you and that you would prepare our hearts and our souls to receive you. Because it's moments like these and topics like these where sometimes we feel most distant. So we lift this up and we ask your blessing on this time. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to give you a working thesis. This comes out of the Bible. I'm not going to take a lot of time to show it to you um, because you can find it yourself. But that working thesis is this, every person matters to God. Well, where are you getting that? Well, I could get it right out of Genesis, where he's the author of life. I could get it out of Ezekiel, where in chapter 33, the prophet says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I could get it out of John 3.16, where it speaks of God so loving the world. That's categorically every single category of person, men, women, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. God categorically loves all categories that he gave his son that we might be redeemed. He Gives them in love. So every person does matter to God. I want to walk through this idea of abortion with that framework in mind. So the first thing that we need to do is understand this. Every person matters to God. So is a fetus or a probably better spoken, a child, right? Because the language always changes the logic. Is a child in the womb considered a person? That is just an honest question. I think we need an honest answer to that. So we will get into the details of what that means. Secondly, every person matters to God, but we always assume there's one vulnerable person in the transaction of an abortion, the child. There's also a mother, and there's Also a father, something we never speak about. So how do they matter to God, or do they in this? And lastly, this is going to be the hardest one for you to hear, I guarantee it, especially if you've had an abortion or been party to it, is that every person matters to God, and that means you. So it's easier for you to hear about what's right than to hear about you yourself belonging to God, regardless of who you are where you are in life, or what you've done. So let's walk through that together. Every person matters to God. I want to open up on the idea of what an abortion is, because many, there's so many assumptions, especially in the church, of what abortion means. So what is an abortion? Just, let's just define that. An abortion is this. It's the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy, So when I'm saying abortion, that's exactly what I mean. And the intended outcome for an abortion is that it is to prevent the live birth of a child for various reasons. It could be because um, I don't want this gender of a child, or it could be because it's not economically feasible to raise a child, or it could be because I don't love that person. It was just a hookup, right? I'm not going to raise a kid. So there's several reasons that we could get into of what, why people have abortions, but many of them are economic, and that's, so when we say, what is an abortion, that's what an abortion is, deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. Secondly, is abortion really that common? A lot of times we think we don't know of anybody that's had an abortion, but usually people don't walk around saying, what did you do this weekend? I just had an abortion. Nobody says that. So I guarantee you, you know people that have had abortions in the church. I don't know if there's anybody proud about it, but yes, abortion is very common. And so let me give you a little bit of data. According to the World Health Organization, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions worldwide every single year. So that corresponds to about 125,000 abortions a day. That's probably a low number because it's difficult to get a handle on the reporting system. Now, in 2017, I'll give you data that's a little bit older, but that's where we're at. There were 862,000 abortions in the United States of America. Now, understand that number 862,000. That's far and away the leading cause of death. Just to give you some context, cancer is right at about 650,000 a year. So it's a lot. So, does abortion really happen in this day and age? especially when we have prophylactics and contraception and all these things, abortion happens all the time. So it is relevant to our lives right now. The the number I heard for the local area in Northern Virginia was somewhere around 80,000 last year. Can't substantiate that, that's what I heard. So how does an abortion happen? There's two main ways that an abortion happens. Probably the most prevalent way this day and age would be a medical or a chemical abortion where you can take a pill after conception, if you learn it quick enough, and that terminates the pregnancy, and then the child is expelled. That can happen up to about nine weeks. Once you get beyond that, or anywhere from three weeks on, it's a surgical procedure of sorts, depending on how large the child is, but it involves a procedure. So that's how an abortion happens. Normally, it's called a dilation and evacuation or a DNC if you want to take the Latin version of it, but it's a medical procedure that a woman has to do, has to go through. So that's some data and that's some clarity. Let's get to a deeper question. Should we consider a child in the womb, that's pre-birth, a person worthy of the dignity the respect the love and the protection that we would assume everybody else who's outside of the womb and i'm really asking that question do is is that is that reasonable for us to consider a a child what we would call medically a fetus who's completely dependent on her mother would you is that would we would we want to say that that child has the same dignity and worth, human worth, and therefore is afforded the love and the protection um, that we are. Now, Planned Parenthood would say no, and I'm just going to quote them. And to some degree, they're a leading expert on abortion. And here's a quote, it says, "'A woman is more than a fetus. "'To impose a law that finds that a fetus is a person, "'granting it rights equal or superior to a woman's, "'a thinking, feeling, conscious human being, Is arrogant and absurd. This will only serve to diminish women." So that's one way to see it. When I was younger, the debate was not about life. I mean, the debate was completely about life and viability. It's not so much anymore. The debate was, well, we know it's probably not good But can it really be considered life? Because, you know, it's a bunch of cells and it's growing. Um, There's various ways, and this happened in the church. And so most of the discussion around abortion really centered on how do we call it life if it's not born yet? And eventually what happened over the years as medicine and science got a little more complex, we realized that argument's actually intellectually dishonest. Of course, it's life. Um, it has everything genetically it needs to become a full human being, has its own immune system right off the bat. Uh, of course, that grows, has its own blood type. Um, yes, it's, if we want to parse that so that it's not life, it's really not helpful to the argument. A lot of people are dependent on others. Are they valuable enough to be considered worthy of protection? What about brain waves? Well, brain, a baby has recordable or measurable brain activity somewhere around six weeks, but who knows? We can, there's a lot of things we can't measure. Today, most people would tell you on both sides of the issue, yeah, it's killing. Let me just give you a quote. Uh, this is a British journalist, Antonia Signor, and she wrote for the Times in the UK, and I think her position is very honest. I'm going to read a quote from that article. My daughter was formed at conception. Any other conclusion is a convenient lie that we, on the pro-choice side of the debate, tell ourselves to make us feel better about the action of taking a life. Yes, abortion is killing, but it's the lesser evil. I'm pretty convinced that's where we are as a culture. And I actually think that's good. I think it's more honest. So it's hard to answer that question for a Christian because we understand that one of the core teachings of the Bible, which pretty much every culture and every religion embraces, is thou shall not kill. So how do we, and if you're like, well, I'm not a Christian, that's okay. Just consider the Bible an ancient text that has informed civilization for a long time and have the imagination to believe there might be a God behind that. But thou shalt not kill. So is that killing? That's the question we need to have. I think the only way we can get there, honestly, is to see it as God sees it. As he looks through his eyes to this child in the womb, how does he see it? Let me just give you a couple verses. You've heard some of these before. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So there's There's actual knowledge. And before you were born, I consecrated you, Jeremiah. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, God's not talking about abortion there. He's talking to Jeremiah, who's like most people that work in the preaching of the word, are like, you really want me to go do that? God's like, yeah, actually, I knew you before you were born. I custom made you for this. So God sees life in the womb as a person is a personality. Secondly, Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. The psalmist is writing this. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, how does Old Testament law handle that? Well, they didn't have abortion back then. But in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22, we see that they would apply the law of what the Greeks called lex talionis, which is an eye for an eye, what the Old Testament called just justice. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as... The judges determine. It's really hard to exactly to figure out what's going on here, but there's some idea where if you inadvertently hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth, it seems to me that those births are live. You're going to pay for it, right? There's there's a penalty there. It goes on to say, but if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. There's an idea here that. The Levitical law, the law of God, actually applies to that child in the womb such that even if you didn't intend to, but you killed this woman's child, you're going to pay for that child as if you had killed somebody accidentally, manslaughter. That's manslaughter law. So without dragging a bunch of scriptures together, I think you can see that how God sees the child in the womb is as a person. So if we were to ask that question, well, every person matters to God, does that include a child in the womb? Yeah, it really does. So we would would want to say this clearly, an abortion ends a life. And not just something that's living, but the ends the life of a real person. And taking the life of a child to some degree, is arguably the most vulnerable member of our society. And as Martin Luther King would say, I'll paraphrase him, anytime there's injustice for one party, it propagates injustice for all. Even in the name of reproductive justice, and we know, I I, I will stipulate that women are not treated equally in history, or even today, and it's true. Every person matters to God. And yes, that includes an unborn person. Abortion is killing. Usually, this is where it stops in the church. Usually, this is a text or a sermon tied to a political position. But friends, there is so much more in scripture as it pertains to how we handle abortion. If every person matters to God, what of the mother? What of the father? Here's what I can tell you, unplanned pregnancies change the lives of those people, many times forever. So your response, my response, must start in understanding and compassion. Do you think it's enough for you to be right on this? Do you think that being pro-life makes you godly? Well, it's a good thing, but we don't get to stop there. There's many reasons people don't want to be pregnant. Friends, I've had people in my office weeping because they were pregnant. And they already had kids. They're just like, oh, no, I can't do this again. Like, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Like, I was going to go back to school or... Fill in the blank. We were going to travel, or we're not married yet. And my parents have always taught me about sex belongs in marriage between one man, one woman, which is what Scripture teaches it's true, and now I'm going to be a pariah in my family. My mom and dad are going to hate me. They're not going to want to bless this man. Do you see what's happening here? There's many reasons you do not want to get pregnant. Unwanted pregnancy is a reality in everybody's Life, but this is not a new problem. Let's not imagine that abortion is modern. Infanticide or the killing of infants is not a modern problem. Now, true, the ancient world didn't have the technology to terminate a pregnancy in womb very well without killing the mother. Sometimes that's just what they did. But In the Old Testament, we see the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Canaanites, the Moabites, they all practiced some form of child sacrifice, especially Moloch, which was an ancient Near East God. He was kind of a fatherly figure, but he required child sacrifice. And you see in Leviticus 20, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell Israel this, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his child, children to Molech shall surely be put to death. So this idea that infanticide in the Old Testament was vile to God. Truth be told, though, many times we do this for economic reasons. Sacrifice our children. In the Roman Empire, it was also a problem. Now, it wasn't called abortion back then, it was called exposure. They actually had laws on the books in the Roman Empire that you were allowed to expose your child legally so that it would die. I don't think you could kill a child. I think they would stand against that. But if you had a child that was deformed or that was unwanted or that was out of a, you know, an incestuous relationship or just whatever, fill in the blank, You could take this child and expose it outside, and people would just be like, "Okay, It was normal. They had places for this to take place. I'll quote Aristotle, as to the exposing and rearing of children born, let there be a law that no deformed child should be reared. That's called eugenics. That's selective breeding. That's making sure that certain classes and styles of people don't exist. Truth be told, abortion does that today. There's more female babies aborted than male, especially depending on culture. And when's the last time you saw anybody who was an adult with Down syndrome? Genetic Counseling. People are being told to get abortions. Hey, go watch... um, um, Help me out, Christy, Shia LaBeouf, Peanut Butter something. Peanut Butter Falcon. Take a couple hours and watch it. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, had a eugenic posture towards removing poverty, removing non-white communities. Now, Planned Parent would tell you that's true, and we've removed her. I'm not saying that's what they're trying to do now. I'm saying this is how it works, friends. In the ancient world, Christians were known in Rome for scooping up babies off of the trash heaps, taking them home, and loving them. And this was very curious to the pagan mind, because the pagan mind would have said, you're stupid. Well, why would you do that? And the Christian would have said, well, we're made in God's image. They said, well, of course we are. We resemble the gods. And the Christian would have said, that's not what I'm talking about. When we read in Genesis 1, chapter 1, Verses twenty-seven. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. Where to understand that image-bearing as human beings is less about resembling God, if anything, and more about reflecting Him. So our highest call as human beings, is to be a clear reflection of the infinite power and worth and beauty and grace of God. So whether you're working in a mill to create steel or in the boardroom or a mall, whatever you do in life, this is your highest calling. And the early church got that, and so they found it unacceptable that image bearers would be discarded even if they weren't, quote, normal. Or economically feasible, as many of the girl babies were considered. We well, don't want that baby because it's going to cost us too much and not bring money. And the early Christians found that to be unacceptable and stepped into that. And that's one of the ways God used them to spread His word. So every person matters to God. What about the women? If you are a woman here, and you've had an abortion, or you are a man here, and you put a woman in a position to have an abortion, this sermon is not about you. You're not the villain here. I want you to know that front up. This is not a stump speech, because there's there's more than one vulnerable party in an abortion, isn't there? We never talk about this. Many women don't have a choice as we define it. Depending on the community you're in, if you're in a hyper religious community, abort it. Ironically, that's usually what happens. If you're in a poor community, can't afford it. I don't have the family structure for this. Abort it. So as we define choice, Many times, women don't have that choice afforded to them the way you and I would like to think about it. There are many reasons this happens, but friend, you have got to have compassion and understanding. Being right is important. Yes, we know that. But understanding how to serve those who are in need is just as important. If you're not pro-life, from the womb all the way to the tomb, then I'm wondering what that means to you. And the church is very good at political positions, when they're right especially. But how excited were we to talk about Ahmed Aubrey, this 25-year-old kid, African-American, who was gunned down because he had the audacity to go jogging in Georgia. If that doesn't bother you, you're all about abortion and pro-life, that's not cognate. That's not how God works. You have to understand there's a lot of pressure on women to abort children. Um, back in the late 90s, I was married to Christy, and just want to state that up front. Do um, <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah? Y'all weren't even born yet, probably? Um, but we... I think you know, clarity is really important, right? Um, we had three kids, and we were really busy in life. And we went to church one Sunday, and they were giving away babies in the, in the entryway. They really were. Um, they said, listen, um, we are, there's, there's this ministry, and there's a lot of women who are incarcerated, and they're having babies during incarceration, and we're looking for foster parents. And my bride said, we should do that. And I said, are you out of your mind? I literally think I said that. We have three kids at home and we can't pay for it, so that's, that's a terrible idea. And she said we should do it right now. And then she somehow conned me into going to that table and signing up for it. So we became, we became foster parents, and I was mad. I did it because I knew she was right. But I did, baby Erica, didn't, I didn't like her. Even when I had to hold her and watch her, I didn't like her. Um, and it was just a bad time for us. And her mom wanted to have a Christian family that had this child, and she gave birth in prison, and Christy picked this child up, baby Erica, 12 hours after she was born, and we had her until she was one year old. And then her mom got out of prison, and we took her back, which is really hard. But I want to tell you, I didn't want that child. Did I believe abortion was wrong at that time? Yeah, and I, and I, was, I would have been just as happy to walk by that table and say, I don't care. I would have said it in a much more theologically accurate and acceptable way. It feels like an abortion. I feel like that's what I wanted to do. So let's be careful about precision, yes. But also, as the church, we have got to understand that every person matters to God. And when that child is born, it matters too. And if we don't give an area or a place for families that have unwanted pregnancies, to get counseling and to get care. And if we're not willing to di- our lives be disrupted by fostering a child or not adopting a child, then your words have zero credibility. You just need to know that, okay? And we're not the heroes here. Well, maybe my wife is, but I did not want that child. Only until the very end did God teach me, that's what you look like to me, but worse. And I understood what grace meant in a new way. There's a woman by the name of Frederica Matthews Green. She's an author. She's a speaker. She has a seminary degree. She's a hippie. Um, she be converted to Eastern Orthodox, who does that? Um, she just she's great though. She was a she's a woman's right activist. She was VP of Feminists for Life in America. Um, she was an abortion, she was a woman's rights advocate and believed that abortion was part of that. And I saw her speak at Assist. At a, at a banquet for assisted pregnancy center, whom we support. I happened to be there because I was doing the prayer. She has cha- I mean, she changed everything for me. Um, she said, Here's what changed me. I knew a woman who had an abortion, and she was telling me her story. And she said that when she was on the operating table and getting ready for the procedure, the woman said, All I wanted, all I wanted was somebody, just one person to walk through that door and say, stop, just one person. My boyfriend, just one person. A nurse, just one person. My mom or my dad, my brother, just one person to come in and say, don't do it, we'll help you. But what I had to keep telling myself was my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And Frederica said, that's when I understood my body, my choice is not a cry of freedom and empowerment, It's a cry of isolation. Guess what, woman? Your boyfriend doesn't want you to have your baby. Your husband doesn't want you to have the baby. Your employer doesn't want you to have the baby. Your parents don't want you to have the baby. Who else have you got? You've got my body, my choice. If we don't understand that as the church, we're going to hurt people. We're going to say we're about grace and hope but we don't understand where people are and why people get abortions. Friends, every person matters to God. That includes the mom. That includes the dad that doesn't know what to do. God sees them. Let me read you something about an unplanned pregnancy. I think it's important you hear it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, a tiny town, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, so favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Well, get ready, Mary. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Interesting, because that's what the angel told Joseph, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your, worm, your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, and there will be no end. What do you say to that? She's a teenager in Nazareth, a few hundred people. Anybody grew up in a small town? How does news travel in a small town? How do you think her life's gonna go? I don't know what I would have said. Here's what Mary said, she's amazing. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I'm a virgin. She heard him loud and clear and had the courage and audacity to say, I've never had sex with anybody, so are you sure about that? It's a reasonable question. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was barren. You hear this, Mary? For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, if I were Mary, I would have had so many more questions. Well, this is medically impossible. Did I hear you right? This is what Mary said. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This young teenage woman had the faith to say, at the end of the day, I belong to the Lord. And I said my future and my body to him. And if that means burying the Messiah, sounds like an awful life, to be honest with you. I'm going to lose my reputation. I'm engaged to this dude who's going to divorce me probably. And of course, she was there at his crucifixion. I don't know that she would have signed up for it. But she submitted her life, her future, and her body. Right? We worship God with our bodies, not with just our minds. And Jesus was the unplanned pregnancy that fulfilled God's plan, isn't he? And I kind of think Mary lost everything. In fact, if we would focus on her for a minute, I think she got the short end of the deal. And she was happy to do it. And of course, she's venerated now. Well, she's lifted high in Scripture as faithful and as a model on how we should walk with the Lord, isn't she? Every person matters to God. Friend, that includes you. If you have had an abortion or caused one, Jesus wants you to hear right now that every single person that comes to me, I will never cast out. There is hope, there is forgiveness, there is redemption, there is healing. Every person matters to God. That includes you you. Every person matters to God. But does every person matter to you? It must. In closing, I will just tell you this. Abortion's real. It happens. We have a partnership with Assist Pregnancy Center. Somebody in our church is a member, is on the board. They encourage, they empower families to walk through this, They stand with folk, men and women. If you need help, if you're considering an abortion today, please come grab me, grab my wife, grab a pastor, grab somebody, grab John on the worship team, grab Joy over there, Sarah. We would love to help you. We would love to help you consider another option. But maybe you should serve with assist. Maybe you should stop saying what you believe and start doing what you believe. We also have another partnership. It's called Project Belong. Now, it's not very a big partnership because of COVID. But they help churches foster kids. And we have a small, growing community here that's willing to get on that. And I understand because the demographics of our church is going to be a slower burn, that's okay. Every person matters to God. Every single person. And if you want to know a God like that, come know him. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to forgive and give you the universe. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. This is hard. I pray for real healing, Lord Jesus. I pray for real healing to happen today and moving forward. And I pray that you would be with us, Lord Jesus, as we learn to follow you, pick up our cross and follow you, and be your disciple, no matter where that takes us.